Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our insight series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more insight series updates. And as always, like, subscribe and share. Hello and welcome to Sibline Podcast Series. I'm Liana Semchuk, Lead Europe Eurasia Analyst, and I'm joined today by Alex Lord, our Europe Eurasia Analyst, and Louis cox our Europe Analyst. Today, we're going to be discussing the outcome of last Sunday's regional elections in France, which took place on Sunday, the 20th of June, and saw a record low turnout, as well as some notable setbacks for current President Emmanuel Macron's La République en Marche and Marie Le Pen's National Rally Parties. Alex, Louis, thank you for joining me. Could you please speak a bit more about the outcome of the first round of these regional elections? What are some of the key takeaways? So the poll held on Sunday was the first round of regional elections for mainland France's 13 regions and 96 departments. And this had been a contest predicted to see the far-right national rally under Marine Le Pen win at least one region outright for the first time in its history. Instead, it turned out to be quite an uh, unexpected result. The national rally actually failed to win more than 19% of the other national vote share and looks set to win no regions outright. So this will be quite a big setback for the far-right group. Great. And in terms of the national mood, would you say that these elections signal a shift in popular support for socialist and traditionally conservative parties and possibly highlight a growing divide in French politics between national and local level? In other words, is there any significance of this outcome ahead of the presidential elections in 2022? Sure. So being quite an um, unusual result, it, it'll be quite tempting to draw conclusions here based on the first round. However, French regional elections and elections more generally do have a history of seeing quite significant swings in their first round due to protest votes. So while the socialists picked up most of the vote, especially in Western France, it's quite likely at this stage that while the socialists will do quite well at the local level, they're unlikely to see that develop into more meaningful support at the national level. However, depending on how the second round goes, it's entirely possible that we could see the socialists play something of a kingmaker role, especially as President Macron's party, the Republic on the Move, actually failed to even progress to the second round in five of the 13 regions. One thing we may possibly see develop in the second round is a strengthening of the support that the traditionally conservative right-wing Republican Party received. This will be much more serious for President Macron, who had expected to face the uh, far-right national rally as his uh, principal contender in the 2022 presidential elections. But if there is a sustained surge in support for for the Republican Party next Sunday, it's entirely possible that the national rally could be relegated to third place. Yeah, I would definitely reiterate Louis's points. So I think it's interesting to note that this is very much just the, the latest example of President Macron's La Republique en Marche's failure to sort of capture support at the local level. If we look back at the last major municipal elections in France, which happened last June, um, the pat- pattern was fairly similar. La Republique en Marche is a fairly new party. Um, it was created in 2016 to propel Macron to the presidency, basically. And as such, continues to lack a sort of entrenched network of local party structures. And I think this is a significant disadvantage during local and regional elections, whereas more traditional mainstream and entrenched parties like the Socialists and the Republicans, they enjoy more established party machinery in the regions, um, despite, as Louis alluded to, their difficulty in translating that to national level support, especially in this case of the Socialists. So the highly localised nature of these elections, I think, combined with significant voter apathy, arguably plays to the advantage of more established parties like 
the socialists and the republicans. But yeah, as Louis alluded to, I think while Macron and Le Pen were both weakened in this in the first round of these votes, and we should be cautious in trying to draw out any definitive conclusions as to how this will impact the presidential elections next year. One of the main takeaways is definitely the extremely low turnout in during the first round, which stood at only 33%. So in that regard, these elections, I don't think, should necessarily be seen as a trial run of the presidential elections, as they're much more likely to mobilise significantly more voter turnout um, and be fought on more overtly national rather than purely local issues such as immigration, security and the post-COVID recovery. Great, thank you both. And could you speak a bit more about some of the key issues driving the electorate to these polls and shaping the outcome? As we know, France has seen a significant amount of domestic political turmoil during the pandemic, largely from anti-lockdown and far-right groups. So in the current social climate, how should the first round's results be understood? Really good question. So it's been a very difficult 18 months for Emmanuel Macron and his party. He's seen the yellow vest protests obviously hit their peak during 2019, but continued into the, into the very early weeks of the pandemic. Quite sustained unrest, more generally related to the passage of the global security law, which has uh, substantially increased the um, surveillance powers of the French security services. Again, quite sustained protests against the Climate and Resilience Bill, which was an, an effort to kind of assuage public sentiment related to the yellow vest protests and improve climate resilience in France more generally. And finally, ethno-religious tensions in France are at something of an all-time high, partly over the so-called anti-separatist bill, which aims to uh, entrench secular behaviour and apparel in France's public spaces, but also related to some quite worrying developments among members of, of France's armed forces, both current and past, specifically related to two letters sent to the right-wing website Valeurs Actuelles warning President Macron of civil war if he pursued a quote-unquote policy of allowing Islamism to develop in France. So it's been a very difficult time for him uh, generally, and, and that's clearly been reflected in quite a harsh punishment of his party at the regional level. It's actually more likely that this has been a chance missed for the national rally to really catch up with the Republic on the move. It certainly had been forecast beforehand that the, that the far right would make huge gains at the regional level, principally over, as Alex mentioned, issues like immigration and security. In fact, they haven't made serious inroads. It's going to lead some analysts to predict that the far right may possibly not do so well in presidential elections next year, even the second round on Sunday, perhaps, as we previously thought. Great, thank you. And you touched on this briefly already, but as the second round of polls is set for this coming Sunday, the 27th of June, if the results are similar to the first round, are there any new developments that we might be expecting for the remainder of this year? And what are some of the possible scenarios for the second round and implications that we are anticipating? The principal issue for the far right will be whether its uh, wafer-thin lead in Provence-Alpes-Côte d'Azur will actually be able to be translated into its first ever regional win. At present, it looks to be challenging given the withdrawal of the Green candidate and now means that the national rally will be facing the Republicans as their primary challengers. However, it's not entirely clear right now if that's actually going to make a meaningful difference. One, what may be the case is that, is that the national rally wins the region but sees its lead in, in other regions completely vanish. I think Alex will have some more here, but it's still very early days indeed. Yeah, exactly. It's early days and so we've got to be careful. But I think an interesting issue to sort of pick out, I think Macron has consistently tried to present himself as the main bulwark against Le Pen's far-right national rally. But these regional elections have clearly indicated that the run for the presidency is far from a two-party race. So if the Republicans capitalise on last week's success in the next round, I think 
The hand of their leader, Xavier Bertrand, will be significantly strengthened ahead of the presidential elections. He's already indicated that he intends to run in those elections. Current polling suggests that a second round presidential vote next year between Macron and Le Pen would be reasonably neck and neck. But if Bertrand faced down Le Pen instead of Macron, current polling suggests that he would be more in a position to more easily defeat her in a second round vote. Now, obviously, take polls with a pinch of salt. But these regional elections, I think, have indicated that the traditional centre-right Republicans are not out of the race. And with Conservative voters, I think, are definitely going to become an increasingly vital demographic for Macron, Bertrand and Le Pen to win over if they hope to win the presidency next year. Great. Thank you both. Uh, lastly, based on the electoral results so far and your projections, what are some key takeaways for businesses operating in France at this early stage? Are we likely to see a significant shift in policy from Macron's government to boost support before next year's elections, do we think? So Macron has definitely shown willing to instigate quite significant policy shifts before in response to perceived challenges from, uh, from other parties. I think what's going to be most interesting is to revisit this question again after the second round on Sunday, when we'll have a much clearer idea of whether the surge in support for the socialists and the Republicans is going to develop into something more meaningful. What may end up being the case is that Macron does actually try to, um, as it were, steal some more of the votes for, from the left wing, particularly from the Greens and the socialists, if it's perceived that they're making more of an inroad at the regional level. He's already seen quite significant challenges from the far right, and he'll be unwilling to align his party too far to the right in order to take away more votes there because he will perceive that there's a, as it were, a opportunity to position himself as the noble option compared to Marine Le Pen and the national rally. Yeah, definitely reiterate um, Louis' points. I think if we look back at the municipal elections I mentioned last time, um, last June, we can clearly see that Macron is willing to alter policy direction in the face of electoral defeat at the local level. So last year's vote saw a significant surge in support for the Greens, um, which won many major cities, while Macron's own La Republic en Marche failed to win in any major city. And just a day after results were confirmed, Macron announced a 15 billion euro package to speed up France's green transition. That was arguably a clear indicator that he intended to respond to criticism at the time that his pro-business government had not done enough to tackle the climate crisis. Um, and similarly, a government reshuffle just days after that vote reflected Macron's desire to reinvent, quote unquote, his uh, presidency at the time. I think Louis right. We need to be cautious ahead of the second round and we'll have to see how those play out. But I think we could potentially be seeing some policy announcements after the second round um, votes are confirmed um, as Macron potentially against, again tries to shore up his policy platform ahead of next year's presidential election. I will say, I think Louis right. Um, Macron is currently in a difficult position. He's trying to sort of have a balancing act between courting the left and courting the right. And this sort of underlines uh, La Republic on Marsh's difficulties in pitching themselves to both sides of the electoral space um, ahead of the presidential election. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the second round plays out. Great. Thank you both very much for your insight. And I look forward to speaking to you again in the future on this and other subjects. Uh, looking at the week ahead, Philip Riding will give us an overview of the key events and developments to watch.
Uh, hi, thanks, Leona. Uh, yep, yeah, so uh, later this week on 24th of June, looking towards uh, the US and Iran's ongoing nuclear negotiations, they're set to be complicated by the expiry of an agreement between uh, Tehran and uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency, uh, which relates to inspections. So uh, with the expiry of that agreement, it's effectively going to complicate the uh, US-Iran talks further and, and push back to any potential date for a, a breakthrough on reviving the 2015 nuclear deal, um, which was also dealt a something of a blow earlier this week with the election of Ibrahim Raisi, a, a hardliner as uh, Iran's new president. So yeah, not particularly positive news there. But then uh, over the weekend, I have a series of events which could be responsible for instigating protests, mainly in the UK and, and the US. So firstly, on the 26th of June, um, we have the sentencing of Derek Chauvin, the police officer uh, who was responsible for the for killing uh, George Floyd uh, last year, which obviously uh, led to a huge number of protests across, across the US and wider world. Uh, and obviously, if the sentence that Chauvin receives is not uh, deemed to be severe enough, there's the potential that Black Lives Matter and associated protesters could launch demonstrations in uh, US cities this weekend, particularly in the Pacific Northwest and in Minnesota itself. And also in the UK, from the 26th to the 27th, uh, there's also the prospect of, of protests in relation to Extinction Rebellion holding what they've dubbed a, a weekend rebellion, um, mainly in relation to or as part of the, the Kill the Bill uh, movement. Um, so we could see uh, localised disruption from protests in uh, major cities, mainly London, but also Bristol as well, is also set to be a hotspot. And then looking ahead to, to next week, uh, on the 1st of July in Hong Kong, it's the anniversary of the transfer of sovereignty between the UK and China, which has traditionally been a day in which we've seen anti-government protests in the past. On this occasion, there could be some minor disruption, but the new security law that was passed last year, as well as uh, an increased uh, presence by security forces, is likely to dissuade attendance at uh, any rally. So the prospect for unrest in Hong Kong on the 1st of July is, is somewhat less than might otherwise be expected. That's all the uh, main events for the week ahead. So if you would like to get in contact with us to discuss anything that uh, you've heard on today's podcast, please get in touch at info at uh, or contact us on LinkedIn. Thanks very much and goodbye.